Romans chapter number 10. Romans chapter number 10. Uh, I will confess, I don't remember preaching this here at the church. Um, and if I, if I don't remember, something leads me to believe you won't remember. So maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I don't know. But we're going to preach it tonight. And um, uh, just ask the Lord to bless us this evening. And I preach on this thought, how loudly are you singing? How loudly are you singing? Romans chapter number uh, 10, verse number 13. The Scripture says, you know it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But here's our text. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Father, we ask that you would take us into your care once again tonight. I pray that you'd bless us as we preach your word. God, give us the, 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 the knowledge, give us the wisdom and discernment, Lord, to know your desire tonight. Father, we pray you'll help my throat. God, I ask you that you would help my mind, bless my tongue today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to read something before we ever get started and... Um, We'll um, we'll get into the message. This is this is setting up the the story that we'll refer back to tonight. And uh, remember, our text there is verse number fourteen, especially the part that says, "How shall they believe in whom in him of whom they have not heard?" So you listen to this. And this is by a Holocaust survivor. He said, I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. I attended church since I was a small boy. Uh, we, had had, we had heard the stories of what was happening to the Jews. But like most people today in this country, we tried to distance ourselves from the reality of what was really taking place. What could anyone do to stop it? A railroad track ran behind our little church, and each Sunday morning we would hear the whistle from a distance and then the clacking of the wheels moving over the track. We became disturbed, though, when one Sunday we noticed cries coming from the train as it passed by. We grimly realized that the train was carrying Jews. They were like cattle in those cars. Week after week, the train whistle would blow. We would dread to hear the sound of those old wheels because we knew that the Jews would begin to cry out as they passed by our little church. It was so terribly disturbing, but we could do nothing to help these poor, miserable people, yet their screams tormented us. We knew exactly at what time that whistle would blow, and we decided the only way to keep from being so disturbed by the cries, was to start singing our hymns. By the time that train came rumbling past the churchyard, we were singing at the top of our voices. If some of the screams reached our ears, we'd just sing a little louder until we could hear them no more. Years have passed, and no one talks about it much anymore, but I still hear that train whistle in my sleep. I can still hear them crying out for help. God, forgive us who have called ourselves Christians, yet did nothing to intervene. So I preach this thought, how loudly are you singing? He says that uh, we know, in verse number 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Verse 14 said, how can they call if they've not believed? It went on and said, how can they believe if they've not heard? So I wonder tonight, do you, I know you don't have any, any captives running by your house. I understand that. I understand that there's not a holocaust going on at this moment in time. But I wonder how many times do we maybe hear the, the unheard cries of folks around us, in our families, in our circle of friends, maybe even in our churches of men and women and children that are crying out, hoping that someone can reach them with help. This morning I mentioned in passing that we are all called to be preachers of the gospel. We are to testify and proclaim And so, I want to say this tonight, I guarantee that we all know somebody that is lost. Maybe somebody here tonight is lost. Maybe maybe you were here this morning and you know that you're lost and you're just waiting for that right time. Can I say that now is the right time to be saved? Somebody help me right there. But then, maybe you weren't here today, but you're here tonight. And uh, you're wondering, well, what, um, what, what, how is this message for me? Well, I just want to go ahead and tell you right now that if you're lost, you are known by many names. And maybe you're not lost here tonight. Maybe we think of someone in our, in our, uh, um, in our circle. Maybe they're unbelievers. They're unsaved. The Bible calls them children of disobedience. The Bible calls them heathen. And they could be sons or daughters or brothers or sisters, friends. They could be someone else. You never know. But I want you to know today that there is good news. In the midst of all of the bad news that you hear, there is good news of Jesus Christ. I'm glad that today, we mentioned it this morning, but I'm glad that today, no matter what you've done, God desires, God longs to see you come to Him. He is not willing that any should perish. I'll not re-preach this morning's message. But tonight I want you to know that you are loved and you are wanted. I read something the other day of a young boy. He was, uh, he, I mean, he was young. He was probably uh, maybe just into uh, double digits in his age, maybe even a little bit lower. Uh, and, uh, and I don't know if it's just true, but it had dates and things of that sort, so maybe so. Uh, but this young boy, he was happy, he was he was uh, jubilant, everything was fine, and he started going to school, and there was a bully there, and the bully just kept on and on despite of getting in trouble. And one day this little boy went into his bedroom and hung himself by his bedpost and, and died. And his family was trying their best to to uh, bring uh, uh, knowledge about bullying and things of that sort. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but the boy judged the love of the ones that really loved him based on one boy that tried to bully him and tell him he was worth nothing. But if you hear me tonight, I want you to know that there is a God in heaven that loves you tonight. And He sent His only begotten Son for you. And He sent His Son to die for you, to pay the penalty of your sin. Like Paul said to Onesimus, I believe it was, or about Onesimus, somebody can help me, straighten me out later. He said, put put all of his sins, put that on my account. And I'm glad on Calvary, that's what Jesus Christ did. All the sins of these men 
and women and boys and girls in here tonight and those uh, that we'll see soon. I'm glad that Jesus, He said, God just put their sin on my account. So I ask you the question tonight, do you know somebody that's lost? And if you do, how loudly are you singing? We've got people here today, I don't know how many, but there may be someone tonight that's lost and they need to know the Lord as their Savior. My question again is, how loudly are you singing? I want to go just maybe three or four points, and quite honestly, three or four points in a poem. Tonight I want you to notice there's, there's a few words in Scripture that carries as much action for a child of God as the word preach. The word preach is mentioned 70 times in, the, in all of the Bible, 44 in the New Testament. Preaching is 26 times in the New Testament. The word preached in the past tense is 58 times in the New Testament. You can add that up. I feel like there's some significance in the fact that, that in God's Word, He tells us to preach the Word of God. So, to preach, it is, I mentioned this earlier, to proclaim to reason with someone, to be a herald or a town crier, to announce, to evangelize, to discuss, to tell, to say thoroughly. So, we ought to preach. Here's a question for you. How are we to preach? The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 2, preach the Word. What is the Word? Well, this is the Word. If we ever have a preacher come in here and he says, all right, I want you to open your self-help book to page number 57 and let's look at how to be a better man. Let's look at how to be a better father according to this book. And it is not God's book. It's time to shut her down. Somebody help me say amen. Uh, there's a lot of folks that are living their Christian life and they're living their non-Christian life. They're, they're living their life based on everything else. But we ought to preach the Word. There's a lot of folks, I wanted to click on it so bad, I wanted to click on it so bad, I was talking to uh, Kaylee the other day, kind of picking on her, just giving her down the road. She taught the teenage girl Sunday school class, and I'm assuming she did a good job, ain't nobody left over. Uh, but uh, I said, how'd it go, Joyce Myers? And I don't know if she knew who I was talking about or not. She, no, you didn't know? Uh, but it's a, uh, some lady preacher, I don't know. But this morning I saw that, that, this, that, that Joyce Myers was fixing to give it up, and I wanted to shout and say amen. It's, honey, it's about time, because she ain't never had it to begin with. Somebody help me right there. She ain't never had it to begin with. And uh, so uh, there are a lot of folks that they are going to, they're going to preach some other gospel. Matter of fact, even in Paul's day, uh, he talked about folks preaching another gospel. Uh, but there is only one gospel. There's a lot of good news. Amen. I, it's good news that I'm above ground. It's good news that Brother Deke's here today and had a good, that's good news. Ain't nothing wrong with that. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is only one gospel. There is only one Christ. There was only one cross that was really a dependent upon salvation. There was only one borrowed tomb. There was only one empty tomb. Somebody say amen right there. There was only one ascension into heaven. There's only one that could one blood that was put upon the mercy seat of Christ that could atone the, the sins of all men. There's only one. Amen. And, and here we are with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do we ought to preach? We ought to preach the gospel. He says the word. He says preach, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort 
with all long suffering and doctrine, this word instant is to be at hand at, at, a, at a moment's notice. Be ready to tell someone about the gospel. You don't have to have a tie on to be a preacher. You don't have to have a suit on. You don't have to, you don't have to have a call of God on your life like some of these men and like I've experienced. But rather, you as a child of God need to be ready at a moment's notice to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. You, there's, there's, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, I, I, don't, I don't mean to, to go back to suicide, but there's a suicide hotline. And if you, if you feel you know, despondent and you feel alone and you're, you're at that stage where you're just about to, there's a number that you can call. And, and I've never called it. Praise God. I've never got to that point. Amen. Oh, my soul. If anybody, if anybody would be a good candidate to take his own life, it'd be me. But I'm glad that God has given, given me grace and, Whoa, He's given me peace in my heart and He's given me mercy and love and grace and His presence. Oh, I'm about to run. He's given me things to keep me from that. But, Brother Jody, if someone is to that point, there is a number that they can call and someone is standing by ready to help them. Ready. I mean, they're on the, they're, they're instant in season and out of season. I've heard that you'll never get a busy signal. You'll never be put on hold because they want to save your life. Well, honey, you are that people that should be ready to save someone's life from hell. How are we to preach? Be ready. Be available. There is a warning in this, though. I've got to tell you, there's a warning in this. He says... He says in Galatians chapter number 1, verse number 9, he said, he said, I'm saying this again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than ye have received, let them be accursed. Here's that other gospel that I mentioned earlier, but he said if you're preaching another gospel, he said you're cursed. Let him be accursed. I don't want to be guilty of that. I want to stay in the book. Somebody say amen right there. there, 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 there there's a warning. Now, sometimes... Sometimes that instant in season, out of season, sometimes it's going to come when you do not feel like it. It's going to come at the worst hour of the day. It's going to come in the middle of the night. It's going to come when you yourself need someone to be a witness to you. But listen to what Paul said. You said, well, but I'm not Paul. No, you're not. But Paul was a man. Just like you and I. Paul was not a supernatural being. Paul had a past. Paul experienced grace. Paul got saved. Paul was changed. Just like everybody else that gets saved. Listen to what he said. He said, you know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. He said, even when I was sick, even when I had that, that thorn in the flesh... He said, I still preached the gospel. You have no idea how many preachers that have come through this pulpit over these 39 years now that have not felt like preaching. But because God put a fire in their bones and because God put people in the pew that needed to hear about the good news of Christ, they traveled on and they preached the gospel. So I I, I tell you, you need to preach the gospel. 
How loudly are, are you singing? What, what are we supposed to preach, preacher? Well, listen to this. Listen to this. Let me get rid of this little note right here. I want to read this one first. Kind of go back a little bit. How should we preach? You need to preach like your life depends on it. Like your life depends on it. Y'all listen to me once again. You need to preach like your life depends on it. Everybody else's life does depend on it. But you need to preach like yours does. Listen, Ezekiel chapter number 33, verse number 6. But if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. This is that watchman. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Verse 7. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. You should be preaching like your life depends on it. Just going to let that one sit for a minute. What should we preach? Well, Romans chapter number 3 and chapter number 6. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. What should we preach? You're a sinner, but God. You're a sinner, but God can make you a saint. You're lost, but God can save you. You're, you're going to hell, but God can give you an everlasting home in heaven. What should we preach? Colossians chapter number 1, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. What should we preach? We should preach who is in us. Christ is in us. We should preach what's in us. To those that need Him. Luke chapter number 4, verse number 17. There was delivered unto, unto Him, unto Jesus, of the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when He had opened the book, He found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, if you want to read this in Isaiah, it's chapter number 61, verse number 1, and 1 through 3. But Jesus read this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to, the, to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. Somebody better say amen. And recovering the sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Listen, I want you to know, we all know that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I've listened, I've listened to this thing, I don't know how many times. There's a black guy, his name is Whit, I can't even say his first name, Whitney, either Whitney or Whitley. Phipps is his name. Y'all look him up. And he tells a story about 
uh, Amazing Grace. And he goes over to the piano and he says those slave songs, those Negro spirituals, all of them are written on the slave keys. Those black keys is what he calls them. He said, but there was a white slave song and he said y'all everybody know everybody in church knows this song and he went over there and he started on those black keys and began uh, to to play amazing grace how sweet the sound and he began to say that the reason that this is a white slave song is because it was a white man that wrote it he said but they uh they put the 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 melody to a slave chant and he began to hum that slave chant. And it had that, that nuance that only a, a, a black man, an African American can, can, or an African in general, uh, has. It's something within them. And he began to, to groan in this. And, and little by little, he began to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet this man alive. I was sitting there this morning putting the final touches on the message and I got to thinking, man alive, we once were slaves, but I'm glad whom the Son sets free, He is free indeed. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad that I'm no longer a slave. Amen. I'm glad that I've been set free. Hey, it may be to slave music, but I want you to know it was by amazing grace that I've been set free. I'm no longer bound. I'm no longer longer bond. I'm no longer in prison. I'm no longer shackled. I'm glad tonight I've been set free. Amen. What should we preach? Preach what's in you, honey. Preach the very fact that Christ has done a work in you and He set you at liberty. That's pretty good preaching, preacher. Thank you. I appreciate it. First Peter chapter number 1, verse number 25. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Well, I need something new. No, that's a problem. Everybody's trying something new. The word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. You want to tell someone about the Lord? Don't try to make nothing up. Preacher's been trying to do that for years. Writer's been doing that for years. Just try to make something up. Make it, make it, I almost said fandangled, but I feel like that's the wrong word. I don't even know what that means. If I said a bad word, I apologize. But, I mean, they, fantastic's the word I was looking for. And they, they try to make everything fantastic and, and just overboard and, and, and so believable. No, I once was lost, but now I'm found. The Lord saved me. I mean, it's pretty fantastic, the fact that there's a God in heaven. That had a, had one begotten son, just only one, and he decided he loved you, Kurt, so much that he would send that only begotten son to this cursed world to die for you and your sin. Pretty fantastic, if you ask me. And then that son came, Nathan. He came as a little seed inside a little woman. He was birthed just like everybody else. He grew up. He learned the trade of a carpenter. Bubba, he grew up sinless. All of a sudden, his mama kind of forced him into the ministry. And he said, woman, what have I to do with thee? He went ahead and done that first miracle. And little after little. Now, here's a little over 30, here's a little over three years worth of ministry. And Brother Deke, you and I were talking. They didn't, a lot of times they didn't even know Jesus was in the midst. I mean, he was talk, I'm talking about he was right there, and they were eyeballed out. Didn't he recognize that it was Jesus that they were hunting for? <laughs> Amen. 
That, I, I remember one time, I cannot find it. Eric, I'm going to put you in charge. You find it. Jesus was there. They were surrounding him. They were trying to get him. All of a sudden, he walked away. They had no idea where he went. Didn't even see him go. Hey, baby. Sounds pretty fantastic to me. Man that was eating at the supper table with him decided 30 pieces of silver was better than the Son of God. So he denied him, betrayed him. They came and got him. They took him in a court that was unlawful. In every shape, form, and fashion, the, the, the trial that they had in the middle of the night, Brother Jody, was unlawful. It never should have happened. By Rome and by Israel's laws. It shouldn't have happened, but it did. Sounds pretty fantastic to me. They whipped Jesus Christ, they say, with a cat of nine tails, pulled the skin off of his back, wrapped around his stomach, stripped the skin from his body, Brother Terry. Then they put a crown of thorns on his head. And that wasn't enough, but they took a dried-out reed and, and beat him on the top of the head, and it pressed him down. They began to punch him in the face and slap him and pull the beard hair from his face and spit upon him. They created a cross, and they you, you can believe any way you want to. It don't matter to me, but some say it was a cross beam that he carried. Some say that it was a whole cross. don't matter to me. Nonetheless, he carried his cross. And for... <laughs> For some reason, for some reason, God had already prepared. We're talking about those those slave songs, and we're talking about those African Americans. Somehow or another, God had already placed a black man on the side of the road named Simon. And here come here come Jesus, and he fell there at Simon's feet under the load of that cross. And God pulled a black man up to help carry the. I think there's something about this black man and the way they can sing and the way they can communicate. Good God, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, hey. And so, here they go, and now, he's, he's on Calvary, he's on Golgotha. And they take that cross, and they've already dug the hole. Now, they've, they've nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. I said they've nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. And as if that wasn't bad enough, they, they lift that cross up, and as it, as it crosses the threshold of that little hole, how that, that, that cross falls down into that hole. And the weight of Jesus Christ's body falls on those nails and, and rips the flesh and the bones and strips the nerves. And, and here He is. He's in, he's in pain and He's not able to breathe. And the sun begins to beat. The clouds are nowhere in sight for a while. And then Jesus says, I thirst. They give him vinegar. Supposed to, supposed to help him, Brother Jody. It just stings all those open wounds. They cursed him. They mocked him. They took his clothes. Wasn't it Herod that wrote above him, this is Jesus, King of the Jews? He had no idea when he penned those words who Jesus really was. Had no idea, Brother Eric. But here Jesus is on the cross. As the day went on, Jesus gave up the ghost. And just before that, He said, it is finished. It's done. There's no more work to be done. It's finished. He gave up the ghost. He died. 
They came by and they saw that he was already dead. So they put a spear through his side. The Bible says forthwith came out blood mingled with water. Every drop of blood that Jesus Christ had in his body came out of his body. And that was necessary because of our sin. They put him in that tomb. He stayed there for three days. But on that third day, he got up. What are we supposed to preach? The gospel of Christ. You say, that's gory. I want something new. No, sounds pretty fantastic to me. You ain't got to make up a bunch of crazy stuff. Angels flying through the air and zooming through and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, there's angels in heaven. Can I help you all for a minute? And I don't want to offend nobody, but mama ain't no angel. Mama, if, if mama's saved, mama's a saint of God. And saints don't got angels or a, angel wings. I know it kind of comforts us, but bless God. And mama ain't teaching angels how to sing either. I just, that kind of just hit me just a little bit. Just kind of blindside got me right there. I just had to go with it. But listen, more than all that, I want you to know there's nothing better to preach, Brother Terry, than the old news, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. I got to go. I got to go. Some of y'all came in all upset. You're looking a little bit better right now, so I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. Matthew chapter number 11. I'm going listen to this. John the Baptist was in prison. Now, you remember John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist leapt in his mother's womb when Mary came to see Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mama. He was full of the Holy Ghost in the womb. Okay? Now he's in prison. Let's go back. He's the one that preached, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's the one that baptized Jesus. He's the one that was out in the wilderness eating locusts and had on a double-breasted camel hair coat. This was John the Baptist. He was God's man. He's in prison now. He sent two of his disciples and said, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? I love Jesus' response. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't ridicule him. He didn't argue with him. He said, you just go back and you tell John this. Don't tell him I'm ashamed that he's even having to ask. He didn't say that, Leah. But what he did say is, go tell him this. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. But I love this. Because I ain't never been dead other than in sins. Ain't never been dead. Ain't never been lame. I've never been a leper. Never been deaf. Never been blind outside of spiritually. But I have been poor all my life. Notice what it says. He said, tell him all this. He said, but make sure you tell him that the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's all John needed to know. He said, John, you remember we already talked about Isaiah and how that Isaiah told everybody, I've been anointed to preach the gospel. And it was a prophetic announcement that Jesus Christ was anointed to preach the good news of himself. And to heal the sick to raise the dead and cause this and cause that. Jesus Christ repeated it to John the Baptist. But he said, I want you to know that the poor have the gospel preached unto them. What are we supposed to preach? The gospel. How loudly are you singing? 1 Corinthians 1.18 
For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. We mentioned that word power this morning a couple times. That dynamite, that explosion, the power of God. (laughs) First Corinthians chapter 1, look down at verse number 21. He just said that to them that perish, preaching is foolishness. He said, but us that, that are saved, it is the power of God. Verse 21 says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. He said, the world's going to consider it foolish no matter what. He said, so I'll just use that. He said, if they believe, he said, I'll save them. What are we supposed to preach? Preach the gospel. Matthew 10, verse number 7. As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 22. Paul said, Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Sometimes it might be just the way we live that is doing the preaching. I feel like I need to go over here. and, and I, already, I feel like I preached it a couple weeks ago. Maybe on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. Romans chapter number 2, verse number 24. Paul's dealing with the sinfulness, the wickedness of the Jew. But he says, he, I mean, he's dealing with all, all of this. And they're, they're committing sacrilege and they're doing all this. And he said in verse number 24, For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, by you. The reason the world is blaspheming God is because of the way in the context of chapter number 2, the world is blaspheming God because of the way God's people are living. So the way you're living as a people of God in 2022 is preaching messages every day to a world that needs to be saved. I I, I got to go. I ain't even going to read the rest of those. I want to be proper in saying this, and I'll probably still get it wrong. To whom should we preach? Did I do it right, Leah? Okay. Y'all need to pray for the teachers too. They're going back tomorrow or already been back. So y'all pray for them. I got now I got two of them in my house. Y'all pray for me. My daughter is correcting me and she can't speak plain English. The littlest one. To whom should we preach? Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. You remember Samaria? Ain't nobody messed with Samaria. They were the offspring of Moab, which was the offspring of Lot and his daughter. Drunken Lot and his daughter. Ain't nobody messed with Samaria. They were were the trash of of the area. But Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ. To whom should we preach? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. To whom should we preach? Everybody. The next, if I'm not mistaken, 
Two verses later, he says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are justified, but ye are sanctified. To whom shall we preach? All men, everybody, at work, at school, at the Walmart. At, I don't know if we got any, I know we ain't got no Kmart here. At Kmart, at the food line, over in the deli, down at King's Deli, Subway, Pizza Hut. Hey, somebody say amen about Pizza Hut. We got some yesterday at the men's meeting. Glory. Doesn't matter where. Need to be sharing the gospel of Christ. I, I, I'm going to give you something. <clears throat> what, what should we be sharing? I said the gospel of Christ. Brother Deke and I, we, we, were, we were talking. I, I, I needed to tell Brother Bobby something. And I told, I told Brother Deke, I said, I'm going to say something about that tonight. And he, Brother Deke was talking about the names of God, the names of Christ. And I feel like I've shared this here before, but I'm going to go through some of these. <clears throat> I want you to listen closely. I am going to read them fast, but I want you to listen to them. Jesus Christ, that's what we should be preaching. And we should be preaching to those that are crying out for help. Instead of just busying ourselves. Instead of just singing louder so we don't hear the cries. We get in the walls of the church and everything's so good. And we're praising God. And we forget about all the lost folk outside. We forget about those that may need the Lord inside because we're having such a good time. But we need to listen. We need to preach the gospel. In the book of Romans, Jesus Christ is mentioned. He's mentioned as Christ Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, our peace. Our reconciler, the chief cornerstone, the Lord God, the Son of God, a sweet-smelling Savior. Savor, rather. The Savior of the body, the lover of the church, the sanctifier of the church, the Lord of the church, and the master of the church. In Hebrews, he's called the Son, the heir of all things, the creator turned preserver of all things, the brightness of the glory of God, the expressed image of God, the cleanser of sins, the first begotten, the God of heaven, the Lord of heaven. The Son of Man, the Captain of our salvation. He's called our brother, Saint, Satan's victor. The Seed of Abraham, merciful, faithful. The High Priest, the Deliverer of all those who are tempted. He's called the Apostle, or Jesus Christ. The House Builder, the Better Rest, the Better Way. The Son of God, the Sinless High Priest. The Eternal Priest, the Author and of our eternal salvation. The High Priest after the order of Melchizedek. The forerunner, the king of righteousness, the king of peace, the assurity of a better testament. Jesus is called our intercessor. He's intercessor. He's called holy, undefiled, separate from sinners, the author and the finisher of our faith, the finisher of sacrifices, the new and the living way, the high priest over the house of God. He's called the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's called the great shepherd of the sheep. In the book of Romans or Revelation, he's called the faithful and true witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince or ruler of the kings of the earth. 
He's our sin cleanser, the Alpha and Omega, the Lord Almighty, the Son of Man, the first and the last, the living Christ, the Son of God, the Holy and True One, the Amen, the beginning of creation, the Creator, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root and Offspring of David, the Lamb, the Eternal Reigning King, the Man-Child, the Ruler of Nations, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Spirit of Prophecy, the Word of God, the Light of the New Jerusalem, the Rewarder, the Bright and the Morning star, the water of life, our soon coming Savior, the King of the saints, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Luke, he's referenced as the Son of the Highest, the Holy Thing, God my Savior, the Horn of Salvation, the Prophet of the Highest, the Dayspring from on high, our Savior, Christ the Lord, the Consolation of Israel, the Lord's Christ, the Salvation of God, the Light of the Gentiles, the Glory of Israel, the Sign, Redemption, my Beloved, the great physician, Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Lord of the Sabbath. He's called in Luke the great prophet, the friend of sinners, the one that forgives sins, the Son of the Most High God, the Christ of God, the Master, the one that's greater than Solomon, the good Master, the Son of David, the guest of sinners, the King, the chosen of God, the King of the Jews, the righteous man, and the risen Son of God. To the architect, he is the chief cornerstone to the artist. He's the he's the altogether lovely one to the astronomer. He's the bride in the morning star to the baker. He's the bread of life to the banker. He's the supplier of every need. To the battalion, he's the leader and commander. To the biologist, he and he alone is life. To the builder, he's the foundation and the chief cornerstone. To the carpenter, he's the door and the nail. To the chief, he's the chiefest of ten thousand. To the defendant, he's the righteous judge. To the doctor, he's the great physician. To the educator, he is the teacher. To the electrician, he's the light of the world. To the engineer, he's the new and the living way. To the executive, he's the head of the church. To the executor of the wheel, he's the heir of all things. To the farmer, he's the sower and the Lord of harvest. To the fireman, he's the water of life. To the fisherman, he's the calmer of the seas. To the florist, he's the lily of the valley. To the geologist, he's the tried stone and the rock of ages. To the herbalist, he's the cluster of camphor. To the historian, he's the ancient of days. To the host, he's the perfect guest. To the industrialist, he's the faithful servant. To the jeweler, he's the precious stone. To the juror, he's the faithful and true witness. To the king, he's the crown and the scepter. To the laborer, he's the burden bearer. To the lawmaker, he's the lawgiver. To the lawyer, he's the advocate and the mediator. To the machinist, he's the polished shaft. To the merchant, he's the pearl of great price. To the mortician, he's the resurrection of the dead. To the musician, he's the horn of salvation. To the news reporter, he's the good tidings of great joy. To the nurseryman, he's the true vine. To the pharmacist, he's the balm of Gilead and the ointment of God. To the philosopher, he's the wisdom of God. To the photographer, he's the expressed image of God. To the policeman, he's the peacemaker. To the printer, he's the word of God. To the publisher, he's the author. Amen. To the rancher, he's the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. To the refiner, he's the purifier. To royalty, he's the king of kings. To the sailor, he's the desired haven. To the scholar, he's the alpha and the omega. To the scientist, he's the creator of all things. 
To the sculptor, he's the living stone. To the sea captain, he's the refuge in a time of storm. To the servant, he's the good master. To the shepherd, he's the lamb of God. To the shipbuilder, he's the anchor. To the soldier, he's the captain. To the statesman, he's the desire of all nations. To the student, he's the truth. To the teacher, he's the best example. To the theologian, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. To the toiler, he's the giver of rest. To the traveler, he's the narrow way. To the United Nations, he is peace. To the warrior, he is a shield. And to the zoologist, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, to the Christian, he is the son of the living God. And to you who believe, he is precious. What should we preach? Jesus Christ. What should we do about him? Tell about him. Listen tonight. I want you to know this evening, there's a lost and dying world that needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Don't start singing louder, but rather quiet yourself, quiet your soul, hear the cries of that sinner, and preach Jesus. 